0: to ask you, uh, how do you feel about lists? Are you a list maker? Are you a list follower? Are you a list avoider? We have ideas about lists that, uh, that, that can be preoccupying for us. And um, there are some lists that are can be kind of scary. I was thinking of one that I found, uh, and this is a, a list, a, sort of a honey-do list. It's uh, number one, unblock the toilet. Number two, figure out why there's a buzzing sound in the electrical panel. Talk to your neighbor with the chainsaw about making too much noise. Remove a, wasp, a wasp's nest under the eaves. And the one I love the best is check down in the crawl space for unusual noises. Now, that list is, is, is seems kind of uh, uh, intimidating or over, overwhelming. And it has uh, some good things in it, but also some challenging issues in it. Now our passage today that we're gonna be looking at is actually kind of like a list of lists. <laughs> and we want to look at them and, and, and uh, take into consideration that this is not a honey-do list. In fact, this is a list that comes to us from God via Paul. And sometimes our reactions to lists like this, we can have different, uh, different reactions to it. Uh, one of the ones that I personally feel when I get lists out of the Bible is a fear of failure. I'm not going to be able to do this, or I don't know if I can match up. And then there's a a fear uh, that some people feel, and that's a fear of disapproval, as though God is, is standing over on the other side with his hand on the hip waiting for us to fail and not do this. Or sometimes we have a reaction of, I have to do this in order to get God's approval. I need to have him displaying his pleasure with me because I've done what I've got to do. And frankly, some of us can come to a list in the scriptures that we can say, you know, I, I resent this. I, I don't want anybody telling me what to do. Or anger, what? Another list. Why more? Or rejection. You know, I'm simply, simply not going to do it. You know, as we look at these lists that we're going to look at today, we could, we could tend towards the tendency, we go towards a tendency of seeing these as measures of our success or our failure or even of our worth. We have a a passage that is, I think, packed with some really encouraging and helpful things that help us look at lists, look at behaviors that are things that we can do because he empowers us and enables us to do it. So let's look at uh, Colossians 3. We're going to read verses 1 through 17. And i'm reading from the niv which is also in the the pew bibles that you have since then you have been raised with christ set your hearts on things above where christ is seated at the right hand of god set your mind on things above not on earthly things for you died and your life is now hidden with christ in god when christ who is your life appears then you also will appear with him in glory put to death therefore what belongs to your earthly nature which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive Hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Two weeks ago, Dom was talking to us about the soul and how we need to leave space in our souls for formation. We need to let God speak into our hearts and into our lives in ways that construct us and build us up. And draw us closer to him so that at the end of the day we say, we love Jesus more this afternoon, this evening than we did this morning. And these, these lists that we have, I would like to call them invitations. And they're invitations for us to enter into something that is really constructive for our lives. The first invitation that we have here is um, it, our first invitation is this this command, this this invitation. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And what he's saying here in this invitation is wrestle with and stand on what God says about who you are and what you have. He says, Let the things that are of higher value than these earthly things that we have mold us and determine how we live our lives. Don was talking about our need for formation, our need for God to speak into our lives and for for us to be changed as we grow closer and closer to Jesus and that will also then translate into behaviors when we take these eternal values and bring them into to temporal life, our lives change, we begin to change and this section of Colossians speaks to us first of all about who we are in Christ, and it also says... talks about who god says we are and this is critical to understand before we get into the the lists that i've talked about so what does god say about what we have and who we are well let's look and we're going to kind of skim through and then we'll come back and look at some uh go into more detail on some other issues the first thing that we see is that god gives us new life and we look at it says in the past you have been raised with christ seated in the at the right hand of God. You have died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And you will also appear with Him in glory. And if you see, and if you look at this, you will see that there is past. <laughs> You've been raised with Christ, seated at the right hand of God, you died. Actually, the I guess the technically correct tense is present perfect, something that's happened in the past, but is continuing to be present. And then present, your life is now hidden with Christ in God. In future, you will also appear with Him in glory. And this is like all-encompassing; it's our whole life. We, we, what was wrong in our lives in the past, God has dealt with. He's taken us from a life of deadness and brought us to life. And now He has seated us at the right hand of God. He's, He's uh, that that old has, that old has gone away. We are hidden with Christ in God, so that when the Father looks at us, He can't help but see the Son jesus christ with us and there's a future when christ returns and he appears people will look and see christ but they'll also see us because we will be with him we will appear with him in glory and what's f- true for christ now is also true for us and that is a huge uh and and and, and transformative uh, piece of of truth that we need to hang on to there's also a second thing that we see He not only gives us a new life, He gives us a new identity. In verses 9 and 10, we see, uh, um, Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. We have a reality that our old self is gone, the new self has arrived, we have been transformed, and we are being renewed. So it's something that has happened in the past. Our old self is gone. We now live in a present where this this new self is defines who we are, and it is being renewed. So while it's a finished and some accomplished event, there's an ongoing effect from that as God works in our lives and continues to change us. But that's not all. <laughs> We've got a new life, a new identity, but we also have a new relationship. If you look in verse 12, this relationship now is with, God the father himself therefore as god's chosen people holy and dearly loved clothe yourselves with compassion kindness humility etc but you are chosen people holy and dearly loved it's an amazing thing to think that god actually chooses us god looks for us god wants us and as we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we realize that while we are maybe seeking Him, He is also seeking us. He wants us. And not only that, He sets us aside for Him as a holy, set-apart uh, uh, people for Him. And we are dearly, dearly loved. I think this is one of the hardest uh, truths for us to grasp and to come to grips with, but it is the most one of the most profound. We are deeply loved. We are chosen we are set aside for him. There is a, uh, a phrase out of um, a book that I've been reading called Two Roads. It says we can live carefree, and care, we can live careful and carefree because we know that God loves us, even on our worst day. Very often we think, think, think well, I, I, I've got to perform before God's going to love me, before he's going to approve of me. And the reality is, no, he loves us already. What we do is we, we live out of that love that has been given to us. So what God says about us, this invitation that we have to think about and wrestle with and stand on the truth of what God says about who we are and what we have includes new life, a new identity, new relationship, but also a new community. In verses 11 and 15, it talks about what is the state of those who are, who are being transformed and renewed. There is no Jew. No, Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is in all, and is but Christ is all and in all. And then fifteen, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Our new community, the community that we live in as, as believers in Jesus Christ, is from across the horizon of race, of ethnicity, class, and even gender. And we are called into this community in which everyone is distinctly different, but yet we are united and we can be at peace with one another. And we're called to live in peace with each other. And we now have new communications that communicate peace and wholeness and confer grace on each other. You know, one of our statements is about our church is that we're an authentic community. It means we can talk about the dirty things in our lives, the hard things, things we're wrestling with, our pains, our struggles. And we can do it because we're in a place where grace reigns. We're in a place where we confer grace. We don't look down on anyone. We reach out to each other. We open our arms. We recognize that all of us are weak. All of us struggle. And all of us need each other. And these truths that we're talking about the fact that we have a new life, a new identity, a new relationship, a new community these are the basis uh, of all of the ways that God wants to change how we live out our lives on a daily basis. We need to wrestle with these truths. We need to stand on them. They're the ones that really anchor us. They're the ones that give us hope when we are down, when we're discouraged, when we blow it, when we hurt someone, when someone hurts us. These are the things we need to hang on to. In a a book called uh, Free to Thrive, the authors say the battles we must fight against Unhealthy beliefs and unwanted behaviors are spiritual battles that take place primarily in our minds. Behavior follows our beliefs. So it's so critical that we get these truths into our minds. We are loved. We are not condemned. We stand forgiven. The authors go on to say this life in Christ is not about what I can do to make myself worthy of his acceptance, but about daily trusting in what he has done to make me worthy of his acceptance. This is about living out of who God says we are, or you could say living into who God says we are and what he has given to us. Um, We need to wrestle and we need to stand on these things because these are the things that will get us through the darkest times in our lives. There's And and they also are the, the framework that we need when we get to these things that talk about behaviors that God expects us to get rid of and the behaviors he wants us to have in our lives. So the second kind of invitation that comes to us is a call to remove the vestiges of our old life. We have a new life. We are one in Christ. But we still have our old nature. We still have the old programming which wants to drive us direct us lead us to behaviors that are unhealthy. And here are some of the things that are 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 indicated. Put to death verse Verse 5 Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. These are things which belong to our earthly nature, our old self, our original programming. And in this list that we have right here, the ones we've just looked at, it it illustrates one of the things that Luther said about um, the fall of man, the fall of humans what he said was, when humans fell, when they disobeyed God, they turned in on themselves. And all of these things that we look at, we've just read about, are are, are ways that we try to uh, soothe ourselves, ways that we try to uh, benefit ourselves, ways that we try to get through the hard times on our own, and they are we, we turn in on ourselves. Luther also said that uh sin is a lack of trusting god which corrupts all the rest of how we live our lives it's it's a matter of not trusting god but wanting these things for ourselves so that they become become ours because we have claimed them we have taken them there's also a, a another phrase in here he says you need to turn from these things um he says in in verse uh verse 6 because of these the wrath of god is coming um These things are things for which God has a settled um, opposition and even in hatred towards these behaviors. And God in his justice is going to reserve a moment when he will express his justice. And these are not minor issues. Paul is saying to to, to these people in Colossae, you need to make some changes here. These are serious issues that you're dealing with. So we have this one side where people, uh, where we turn in on ourselves, we think about what we want. We want more. We want. We want uh, different. We want. We want uh, to be secure. And he goes on. He says, and he says, you used to walk in these ways in life that you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all things, all such things as. And now he adds another list. And here's what we have: anger, rage, malice. Slander and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed. So there's a great phrase uh, that I, or a sentence that I love. It says this We sin because we are born sinful, but we also sin to cope in reaction to being hurt and sinned against. And as I look at this list, the second list here, what I see is The ways we react to people and to situations where we lose control, where people stand in our way, where people hurt us, and we respond back in these different ways. These are um these are are, our ways that we behaviors that are that are that are others oriented. And while the first list is sort of self-oriented, these are others oriented. And Jesus asks us (laughs) to leave these things behind, to move away from them. Um, to um, in this case, the first one was to put to death. In this case, it's take him, the, take them off, um, get rid of them, rid yourselves of these things. Uh, it's interesting. Jesus said uh, in his teaching that we had to lose our lives to find it, to find real life. And what he's saying is, these sorts of things that are in these lists, these are the things we want to leave behind to really find life, and we find it in Jesus Christ. And 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 we need to, to to realize that we need to make efforts in these areas because um but we need to do it with the background of all the things we've had said just till now. We need to get rid of these things because of all that we have and are right now, because of Jesus Christ. These are the things we work at. But there's a a a, a phrase out of a out of a book called Two Rows that I really like. It's this idea standing with God. My sin in front of us, working on it together. Many times we think about issues that we're struggling with, maybe sins in our lives, uh, things that we just can't seem to get rid of, and we think, "Man, we need to, we need to work on these things." Um, but how do we how do we move forward? And these things we often think stand between us and God. If we sin, God is disapproving, and He moves away from us. I'd like to share from a, a book called uh, The Cure. Uh, a story it's sort of an allegory of a man who is who is who is walking in his christian life and he's trying to find uh how to live his life um and he 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 starts by trying to uh look good and he wants to make himself look good in the eyes of other people and he finally gives up on that because what he finds is he's wearing a mask all the time he's got to try to make himself look good he gives up on that and he goes to another place and um, in that place there's a big there's a big banner on the wall that says standing with god my sin in front of us working on it together and he's trying to figure this out he's trying to try to process this he says i think back on that banner that i read and suddenly i know what it means before god was always over there on the other side of my sin obscured by the mound of trash between us but now i realize he's here with me i can picture it as clearly as if it's happening he puts his hands on my shoulder staring into my eyes no disappointment no condemnation only delight only love he pulls me into a bear hug so tight it knocks the breath out of me for a moment at first i feel unworthy i want to push out push away and cry out, i don't deserve this please stop i'm not who you think i am but he does know And soon I give in to his embrace. I hear him say, "I know, I know. I've known from 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 before time began. I've seen it all. I'm right here. I've got you. And now I'm holding on with all my might." He stays right there in the moment until he's certain his love has been completely communicated and received. And only then does he release his grip so that he can turn and put an arm around my shoulder, and then he directs my sight. To that mound of filth now out in front of me. Now here's a moment of reckoning. Now God's going to come down on me for this sin that I've committed. After several moments, he says with a straight face, Wow, that's a lot of sin, a whole lot of sin. Don't you ever sleep? He starts laughing. I start laughing. Gazing at that mound of pain, I consider that I never thought I'd experience this kind of a moment all of the pain, all of the regret and damage of my life are laid out in front of me. All that have caused shame and condemnation, all that have caused me to pretend and impress and yearn for control, all that have broken my heart and his, but now I'm viewing it with Jesus' arms around me. He has been holding me with utter delight, all with my sin right there in our midst, never allowing it between us, He wants to know me in the midst of this, not when I get it cleaned up. I know now that if this mound is ever to shrink, it will be by trusting the moment, this moment, for the rest of my life. He looks back at me. We'll deal with this when you're ready. I've got your back. I find that story particularly powerful because I've been there. I've been there in that situation where we look at our. Our failures our sins the things that don't speak well of us don't speak well of me and we want to run from them and we should but we should do it understanding that God is with us he stands with us as we struggle as we struggle to remove these things he is there with us standing at our sides not on the other side of our sin a third invitation that comes out of this passage is the invitation to clothe ourselves with love-filled attitudes and actions. So let's look at this. He says um, in verse 12, therefore as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I like this humility. I specialize in that. I've written a book on it. Um, the twelve most humble people in the world, and how i fe- met the other eleven um, but all of these col- these qualities these these, these 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 are marks of love, right bear with each other, forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these things put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. We want to walk away from a number of things that we've we've talked about but we want to take and, 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 and walk in the fact that we have been forgiven. And in so doing, we forgive others. It changes who we are when we realize we are changed from the inside. And over all of these virtues, put on love. It's a different from being turned in on ourselves or from being angry and verbally abusive to acting lovingly like Jesus in the world. You know, there's a, a, a link between these li- two lists. One is things to remove from our lives, and the other are things to add. And these things are things that give life. Think about it. If, if those lists, the first list is one person and the second list is a, another person, who do you want to be around? Do you want to be somebody around somebody who's turned in on themselves and angry? Or do you want to be about around someone who is loving, kind, and humble? I don't think it's, a, it's much of a guess about which way we would go. A fourth invitation that we have in this passage is really actually three, <laughs> um, but um, I, I didn't want to make this an eight-point message, so I, I reduced it <laughs> down to So here they are. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. We know from Romans 5 that if we are justified by faith, we have peace with God. And this passage says, let that truth rule in your heart. Let it become planted in you. Let it, let it dominate who you are. Let that peace do its work. Secondly, he says, be thankful. Um, I don't know if you get wake up in the morning flat or grumpy. I often do, and I will, I will go to my quiet time, and I'll sit down with my Bible, and I'm grumpy, and I'll say, this is a terrible way to start the day. And my first, what I start to do then that really helps me out of that is I start to count my blessings. Thank you that I'm in a warm house. Thank you that I have warm slippers. Um, thank you that I'm dry, especially days when it's raining hard. And and I begin to think about contemporary and physical things that I'm feeling, and it leads to spiritual things. I thank you for my family. I thank you for your life in me. And what happens is then I become thankful as I begin to recount those things. And then let the message or the word of Christ dwell among you richly. This message of Jesus um, has already touched us. It's the gospel. And what Paul is saying here is he said let the gospel go deep into you. It's not just a matter of fire insurance getting us out of going to hell. It's a matter of becoming coming into a new life where we 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 recognize that we have sinned, but yet we've also been forgiven and grace has been granted to us. And that message of forgiveness and hope is a message that per, should permeate our lives. And then a last a last invitation <laughs> is this. In everything, in everything. Live as though you're an ambassador for Jesus. I mean, if, if, if we don't have, I mean, I, I feel like this, this message goes very, very specific on certain things and it gets wider and wider and it goes really wide at the end. It says, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I, I remember when I was um, uh, started out as a camp counselor, the guy who washed dishes had this wonderful, beautiful attitude. He had the dirtiest job in camp. you'd get all the nasty, greasy, messy stuff, and he would, he would deal with it. But he had over his, over his workstation, he had this in everything, in everything you do, in word or deed, and in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do it and give, give me thanks to God. And, 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 and he was transformed by that. that that permeated who he was and how he lived his life. We wanted to be around him because he had that that attitude. If I could boil down this message today uh, to kind of some catchy things for us to hang on to, it's this, look to Christ, tame your sin, turn to love, live for Jesus. As we think about, as I think about application for today, I think that some of us who are here need rest. Some of us have been fighting and really struggling and and, and fighting sins in our lives, fighting hurts in our lives, trying to negotiate some really difficult times. And I think what God might be saying to you today, if that's your case, is He wants you to accept His love. He wants you to understand that His arm is around you, that He sees you, He hears you, He knows you in your struggle in your pain, in your loss, whatever that might be. I think there are also some who might be here today to whom God is saying, you need to fight. You need to look at the areas of your life, an area of your life or issues in your life, and you need to wrestle with them. You need to get rid of them. You need to treat them as toxic in your life. But I'm here with you, and I'm standing with you, and I'm going to help you with it. Let's just pray. Fathers, we come to you today. We, we thank you that we come to a loving Father. We come to someone who knows us, who hears us, who understands that we are but dust. Thank you for your intervening love. We thank you for the cross that bought our freedom that sets us free. And we come to you today just thankful that you also shed light on our lives to show us where we need to change and the directions we need to go. And we put ourselves in your hands today to rest on one side and to work on the other. May your name be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. As we go to a time of communion, I'd like to read you some words from a song that I kind of captures what I've been talking about, but also prepares us to, to enter to this time of taking communion, taking the elements. And, and, and these are the words: "What patience would wait as we constantly roam? What father so tender is calling us home? He welcomes the weakest, the vilest, the poor. Our sins they are many. His mercy is more. What riches of kindness he lavished on us. His blood was the payment. His life was the cost. We stood neath the debt we could never afford. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. What we celebrate today when we take communion is, yeah, my sins, they are many, but his mercy is even greater. That's our peace. That's our hope.